I'd like you, please, to turn in your Bibles to the book of Romans and chapter 8. If you could do that, please. Romans chapter 8. We're going to read two verses in the book of Romans. Um, and of course, I would expect you uh, over this next week to read through the whole chapter 8 of the book of Romans. Um, it would be very difficult to do that um, in the half an hour that is allotted to us here this morning. Um, but if you had to be sent to an island or shipwrecked to an island and you could take one chapter in the Bible with you, I wonder what chapter would it be? For me, it would be Romans chapter eight. If I could tear a page out of the Bible put it in my pocket knowing that I was gonna be sent to an island where I'm by myself. Romans chapter eight would be that passage of scripture. And it truly is a passage of scripture that addresses so many different areas that are so relevant to our lives. Um, many people and Christian um, authors and theologians have declared that Romans chapter eight is the, is the declaration of freedom for all Christians. Um, and it is true when you read um, Romans chapter eight because it does speak about the newfound freedom that Christians are saved into because of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is also a chapter that is quoted I think most famously and more regularly than any other, maybe apart from John chapter three, verse 16 in the Bible, and of course it is Romans chapter eight, verse 28, which says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. And so this verse just rings true to all of us, and it's a beloved verse that is deeply lodged within Christians' hearts. But there is another two scriptures that I think is even more popular or would become even more popular, particularly within the COVID period that we've been locked into. Our administrator here at Lyft, Adam, had just returned back from Scotland, where their home is, and he had to be in quarantine for a period of time, and um, he had to be confined alone in his apartment for those days, and he tells me that he was so thrilled yesterday to be able to go and walk, and I think he went for almost like a three-hour walk, you know, and um, it was still damp outside, it was a little bit rainy, and so I think solitude, forced, enforced solitude, takes on a whole different meaning over this time. And that is why I think this scripture that we're gonna be looking at this morning is so relevant for us. And it is found in Romans chapter eight, verses 31 and 32. So let's read those verses together, please. What then shall we say? in response to these things. And of course, Paul mentions a whole lot 
of things here that um, he is talking about. You know, and he's talking about our weakness in the flesh. He's talking about the strength that we find in the Holy Spirit. And he lists a whole lot of things after that that is so relevant within his, our lives. And he says in verse 37, knowing all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. That's in verse 37, because he says in verse 36, for, we f for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to the slaughter. And um, he mentions a whole lot of things that war against us continuously and consistently every single day. So he says, for I'm convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons nor the present nor the future nor any other power, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love that is, from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So he mentions a whole lot of things that's against the Christians and he says, in verses 31 and 2, that there is a key for us to make it through all that is happening within our lives and particularly within the COVID period that we're living in. We all act so differently when the pressure comes upon us. Many of us are acting out of character and after we've done certain things, we step back and we look at ourselves and said, I never thought that I would react so negatively or in this way. And of course, we repent when we do that. But we are acting out of character. But what is that key that holds us together? Well, Romans chapter eight, verse 31 and 32 says this. He says, what then shall we say in response to all of these things? The things that God has done, the things that the devil is doing, and the way that we are reacting. What is our response to these things? He says it is this. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? What a scripture to drop within our hearts right in the middle of COVID-19. If God is for us, who can be against us? My friends, as we read the scripture, I would like you to take a breath, sit back, open up your heart to God and say, God, all of the things that I've faced this past week, if you could reveal to me this morning that you are for me, then I know that all of those other things is not bigger than you in my life. What shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Not reluctantly, but graciously give us all things.
all things. Father, we just pause in your presence. Let everyone else be a liar, but let your word be faithful within our lives, the scripture says. Father, would your Holy Spirit make this truth real to all of us as we look at this beloved passage this morning. From your heart to us, a love letter written to encourage us during this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Simply entitled it, God is for you. Oh, God is on your side. I remember very, very clearly when I was growing up and throughout school and the, um, the grades we would go through, oftentimes we would face opposition in the form of other people. And I remember I was the small little guy and I'm still the small little guy. And I remember that um, I was involved in all kinds of activities. And I remember at one stage there was this guy who was a couple of grades higher than me, but he wanted to beat me up. And the circumstances was around that I was in a sporting team that he would have loved to have been in because he's older than me, but I got into the sporting team and he didn't like it. And so he cornered me during break. And there was always a place that if you wanted to have a fight without the teachers knowing, you would meet these guys. And in that place, it was around thorn bushes where we lived. And I remember this guy challenging me but I had a friend, Lucas was his name, and he was this big guy. He was 10 times my size. And him and I, we were just really, really best friends. So, so when Lucas heard about it, he says, Piet, let us go. He says, that's my type of challenge. And so Lucas and I went there, and when Lucas was with me, and for me against that guy, that guy just turned around and he walked away. And I remember if he knew Lucas and he was scared of Lucas, well, I would have introduced my sister to him and then he would have run. She was always for me. It's an amazing thing. When you have people for you, it is an amazing sense of calm that is upon you. And so I'm deeply grateful for Lucas. And I'm deeply grateful for my sister. I wanted almost to say my big sister, but then I'd be in big trouble. But she's my older sister, and she's always been one of my great protectors. But you know, when you have people for you, it is almost like we can do anything. And I, I've, I've, I've said to people, over the 27 years that Jenny and I have been married, I can do anything if I know that Jen is with me. I can jump through any loop, I can scale the highest mountain. It is just an amazing thing when you have significant people in your life and they are for you. There is a courage that rises within your heart that is much bigger than the circumstance. And this is what the Holy Spirit is saying to us in the book 
of Romans, as we read it, almost every single verse speaks about this truth that God is for you. God is on your side. I pity the person who is against me. Why? Because God is for me. I pity the person that's against you because God is for you. God is much bigger than Lucas. God is much bigger than Liz on tunes. And so if you, someone is fighting you, they're probably fighting God as well. And I've often said to people, I said, be very, very careful when you're fighting against this person because you may be seeming to fight against God. Be very careful what you say against people because you could be saying things against God because God is for those people. And this passage of Scripture reminds us of that truth in no uncertain terms that God indeed is for you. Now, we won't be able to finish all three of these points, but I want to put this chapter into context so that as we speak through it, you can understand the context of what we're talking about, and you can pray into it, you can talk through it, you can um, theorize through it, but my friends, there are a number of scenarios in which God is for us. And I just want us to look at three. There are many more in the book of Romans, but I want us to look at three scenarios in which God is for us as an introduction statement. God is for you in your struggle against sin. Isn't that good to know? God is for you and present with you in your suffering. God is for you and fighting with you when faced with overwhelming odds. And in this context, I would like us to look at this wonderful chapter in Romans chapter 8. John chapter one, verse 14 says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. And so when we look at the context of these three things, and if you could just leave the picture up there for a while, Renus, please. You'll understand that the first three words is God is for, God is for, God is for. But we can actually go back just to the first two words which says God is, God is, God is. And all of our faith is based on those two words, God is. That's my theology of how I live my life. God is. And John in John chapter one verse 14 says, the word became flesh and that means Jesus became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the Father full 
of grace and truth. And my friends, if God truly is, and if God truly is for you, then the overwhelming odds are with us and not against us. But everything hinges on those two concepts. Based on your faith in the words God is and based on your faith in the words God is for you, that defines your Christian walk. When we say God is with us, it can be a general statement because we know that the Bible says that God is omnipresent. That means he is everywhere at the same time. The devil is not. The devil cannot be omnipresent. That's why he dispatches these demons all around to give him information and he doesn't always get the best information. But God is omnipresent, he is everywhere, and God knows everything, and we know that he is all-powerful too. But God's presence is everywhere, and if your theology stops there, then you have an insufficient theology. God is not just everywhere, but God is specifically with you. And the moment you believe that, it revolutionizes your faith. And Paul in Romans chapter eight, he's trying to get the attention of the Roman Christians here as he takes Romans chapter one to Romans chapter seven, and he speaks to them about the glorious gospel that Jesus um, released into our lives and how this glorious gospel frees us from the penalty of sin and also from the slavery of sin. And that's why in Romans chapter eight, he speaks about our freedom. Freedom over sin, freedom in the midst of suffering and freedom when we come, when the odds are against us to march forward. But Paul in the book of Romans is saying, there is this key phrase that helps you to overcome. And it is the key phrase that if God is for you, who can be against you? Or what can be against us? Now remember, and the key word remember, we looked at last week in the small groups, concentrated on the word remember, and it's good to have a good remembrance. And my mother, um, I spoke to her yesterday with my family and at times just because of, of certain limitations because of illnesses, she, she doesn't remember everything. And we were just talking yesterday about remembering the past because what they were doing as I was on uh, Zoom with them, uh, they were making candy floss for themselves there. In our family, my niece married a Scottish guy, uh, they're brilliant people. And Stephen is the funniest guy I've ever known. He lifts all of our spirits. It's just an amazing gift 
to our family and he was busy making candy floss for everyone. And so my mom was sitting there and we were talking over Zoom, he would bring her candy floss and eat. And we were reminiscing when we were children. When we went on holiday, one of the key things that my dad always brought us when we got to this holiday destination called Durban was when we walked down the beachside, um, we would buy candy floss and there was a wonderful remembrance about that time and my mom remembered it so clearly and we laughed and she enjoyed it. It helps when we taste something to remember and I'm, keep on telling Jen, Jen, if I taste something, I will remember a whole lot better. And um, so, you know, I'm hoping for a roast this afternoon to improve my memory. But when we taste certain things, these type of things happen. And I remember in the late 70s, my friend, um, early 80s, where I grew up, there was kind of like a renewal taking place within the churches. And within the context of my um, upbringing, I, was, I grew up in an Afrikaans church, and uh, um, I'm an Afrikaans boy, and um, most of the Afrikaans people would go to a certain church that was very reformed with their nature, and we saw the renewal starting to just sweep through churches everywhere. And uh, I'm a product of something of that renewal. And one of the truths that God, again, established within the church um, was the church, was the truth of his presence. Not just generally the omnipresence of God, but it was his presence in his church, for his church, and for individuals. You know, God restored the truth of his presence within our lives. And I remember how it revolutionized my faith and how I would, couldn't wait just to get within groups where we would worship Jesus and experience the wonderful presence of the Holy Spirit. And so it was not just that God is with us, but that God is with me personally revolutionize my life. I'm hoping this morning that this truth would revolutionize your life because the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us, not only amongst us, because Jesus said uh, uh, um, the Holy Spirit will not just be with you or amongst you. He said the Holy Spirit will become, he will be inside you. It's a big, big difference full of grace and full of truth. I remember the words when I was a younger boy in Bible college, I said, Lord, and it comes from a hymn that we used to sing, I said, Lord, send me anywhere, only go with me. Only go with me, his presence. Jenny and I, our commitment to the gospel is, Lord, Wherever you send us, we will go. Only go with me. The Israelites were guided by a pillar of fire and a cloud by day. A pillar of fire at night's cloud by day. It was his presence. And that presence is locked up within us. And that presence is so Amazing. And so when we talk about God being for you, my friends, you need to know 
that God is for you in your struggle against sin. God is for you and present with you in your suffering. God is for you and fighting with you and faced with overwhelming odds. It could be a job that you need. God is fighting for you. But I want you to add the word personally. God is for me personally in my struggle against sin. God is for me and present with me in my suffering. God is for me and fighting for me when faced with overwhelming odds. And it's amazing, as I started to understand that truth a little bit better, it helped me to overcome fear. It helped me to overcome personal limitations within my life. But it also helped me to dream big against the overwhelming odds that were against me. Middle class Afrikaans guy, I believed that God was gonna just send me into nations to go and preach the gospel at a young age of 16 years old. (laughs) For that to come about, the odds were absolutely against me. But because the Spirit of God was within me and I believed that God was for me personally, God just started to do certain things. That was most amazing. My friends, God will interrupt your life in the most amazing ways if you believe that he's for you. There was an evangelist in South Africa. Well, no, worldwide. He came from Germany and his name was Reinhard Bonnke. And I was about 15. And this renewal was happening within my life as a young boy. And I remember going to a crusade just out of the town of Rustenburg. And he was there. And, and, and he was conducting this crusade with thousands of people. And uh, I remember him walking into the city, going to a place where he wanted his hair cut, a hair salon those days. And he walked into that shop. Um, I was in the crusade. I think it was the Wednesday night. He walked into that shop on the Thursday and my mother owned that shop, and she was the hairdresser. He walked in, and Rainer Bonke had this big, deep, booming voice, and he spoke in this German accent, and he walked in, and he sat down, and my mom attended to him, and she cut his hair, and it was Rainer Bonke and all that, and uh, they started talking, and, 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 and the conversation followed that that night, the Wednesday night, he went to an American missionary family that I had gone with that night, and um, for some reason, I ended up on the stage. I was a little bit like Peter in the Bible. If there was an opportunity, I would jump at it. You know, and I was on the stage with the rest of about 30, 40 people. And he saw me, and God spoke to him about me. And he prophesied, and he said to this American family, tell the parent about this prophecy. And he prophesied over me, and he said, that young boy will travel the nations and preach the gospel. You know, and you say, why you, Pierre? You know, I do believe it is because God was for me. And in the renewal, I started to believe that God was really for me. And I started to believe that the odds were with me, not against me. 
I started to believe that God would be through me, even if it meant difficulty. I believed that I would overcome my own sins within my life. Why? Because God is for me. My friends, I want to encourage you today. And what we would do next week is we would go into Romans chapter 8 and we would look at God being for us in our struggle against sin. Because we do see in Romans chapter 8 such an amazing verse that we quote to verse 1. It says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There are no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You see, my friends, God is for you in your struggle against sin. And if he's for you in your struggle against sin, my friends, he's going to be present with you in your suffering. He's going to be fighting for you against those overwhelming odds within your life. Jesus doesn't just do one thing and then leaves us. My friends, Jesus is committed to the whole package within our lives. He's committed to the body. He's committed to the soul. He's committed to the mind. This is the God that we serve. Your dreams probably is the dreams, are the dreams that he placed within you. The dreams of a 16-year-old boy was the dreams of God. But I was foolish enough to believe that this God of the universe is actually for me. Foolish to believe that. And you know what? Oh, there's about five of us here. These poor five people, I'm just preaching at them. But at least people at home, can you make a noise so that I can know that you're there? You can help me, help benefit these guys here. <laughs> but I want you to know that it, is not just, it was not just a dream of a 15, 16 year old boy to live above the overwhelming odds within my own life. But God would look at you today and God would say to you that he is for you. Why? Because he did not spare his own son, but he gave him up for you. Yes, it says for us all, but that includes you. You. The emphasis this morning is God is for you. God is absolutely, you've got to believe that. That's where faith begins. Romans chapter 11 says, that we must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. Believe that he is today in the Lord Jesus Christ and he will become so alive within your life that you will dream the dreams that are way beyond you. And then he wants to remind you that he is for you. That was the beauty of the renewal in the late 70s, early 80s. And you know, it is an amazing thing that as a boy I experienced the renewal in a place called Rustenburg with so many different Christian friends from different denominations. I guess that's why God has put us in a church with so many different de denominations because I've got a love for all church groups. Got a love for all church. Don't box me in, please. 
got a love for all church groups. <laughs> Amazing thing, isn't it? Renewal started there. And then God placed me in another church in South Africa that was at, at the cusp of the renewal that we pastored for 16 years that had a huge effect upon South Africa. Small dreams of a young boy. And God takes it and he breathes his life into it and it takes on. An unprecedented form that is way beyond what you could ever imagine or dream. And here I'm within a wonderful place called Zug where we have 37 different, 38 different nationalities, multi-denominational church. God is for you and he will help you to overcome. But put your trust in Jesus because he said, he who did not spare his own son who gave him up for us all, how will he not along with him graciously give you all things? Will you stand, please? And I'd love to pray for us. If you're struggling against sin this morning, believe that he is for you. And the gospel, that means the power of that act when Jesus died upon the cross. And when he rose again, that glorious victory, that power will set you free this morning. And he'll enable you daily in your struggle against sin. And maybe that sin that is holding you prisoner. Look to him this morning as I pray for you suffering, which I know that many of you are. I know that. Know that God is present with you in your suffering. God is in your suffering. If you're facing overwhelming odds, God is for you. Name him. God is for you. Let's trust him as I pray now, as we pray. Father God, you see all of our lives. You see where we live. You're aware of those things that are within our lives. Thank you that you are in this world. But God, you said that the Holy Spirit will not only be with us, but he will be inside of us. We want to thank you that if the Bible says, what shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And Lord, we pray that people who are listening today would have courage to start to believe that you are with them every moment of the day. We pray that your presence through the gospel message would help every one of us to overcome that besetting sin that the Hebrew writer speaks about. Would you come now and would you give faith to believe 
that you could help us in this area. Faith to believe that we could walk through our suffering because you are there with us. And faith to believe that you are fighting for us against these overwhelming odds within our lives. Would you come and would you do this in Jesus' name? Amen.